0: Hello and welcome to Alchemy Radio, where the only thing we ask of you is that you keep an open mind. Before we begin this week's show, I just want to say a big, big thank you to everybody who has donated to Alchemy Radio. As many of you know, we've been running a campaign to try and raise funds. Alchemy is completely non profit and ad free, and as the popularity of the show increases, so do the running costs. So we have up on our page, alchemyradio.net, uh, donate campaign running, and there are lots of incentives there, so thank you to everybody who's contributed so far. This week's show is a little bit different. Regular listeners will know that in November of 2012, we had Stuart Wilde as guest on the show. Indeed, it was one of our most popular shows to date, and the plan was that Stuart would come back around this time to chat to me again. On the 1st of May 2013, Stuart passed away, and this show, and part two which we'll have on next week's episode are by way of tribute to Stuart. Stuart is considered by many to be one of the greatest ever metaphysicians. In the last 12 years he had over 100,000 visions which taught him a vast body of information not available elsewhere. Many of the most famous new-age, new-thought writers and teachers have privately studied with Stuart, or they've been greatly influenced by his work. In 2001, Wilde discovered the Morph phenomenon, a process by which physical reality goes transparent and soapy-looking, and humans dematerialize. Watching the transcendental nature of Morph for eight years, he gradually wrote out in details the topography and exact nature of what is now known as the Iluna mirror worlds, sometimes referred to as the spirit worlds. Much of that information has since been verified by many others who have greatly added to his initial work. In the 1980s, Wilde correctly described the etheric life field around humans in precise detail. Previously, it was known only in vague terms in discussions about the human aura. Wilde wrote out the first of many precise and verifiable etheric exercises and sensations in his book The Quickening. Over the last 10 years, he published hundreds of his visions, many of which have now come to pass. He wrote 20 books which have sold in the millions and they've been translated into over 15 languages. Recorded live in Las Vegas in the U.S., this is Stuart Wilde's Fringe Dweller's Guide to Almost Everything, in memory of a great friend of Alchemy Radio.
1: Welcome here to Las Vegas. I think we're going to have a fantastic weekend. Uh, The weekend that we did recently in um, Amsterdam, people really, really loved it. Um, I'm going to teach you to see, or at least I'm going to teach you to really heighten your feelings so you can see without seeing. I'm going to walk up and down the room and uh, with my associates, uh, Mr. Casper and Mr. Krepsik, who are here tonight. And we're going to work on all of the codes that bind you into where you find yourself. Because we have all got to escape on masse, you know. Um, so we're like the rats leaving the Titanic, you know. <laughs> you know, it's time to go, you know. Um... So the process is a process of of learning the trance state. It's a process of letting go. You know, you can't have the white knuckle ride, you gotta let go. It's a process of becoming more pure because a lot of visions and a lot of information are very, very intricately linked to purity. So we can talk about that, and I'm gonna go through a couple of concepts that are in Grace Guy in the end of days, like the white shadow. So it's essentially um, a process for us all, because the healing never really ends. And even if you feel like you've kind of discovered your shadow, there's more shadow below the shadow, which is below the shadow that's hiding behind the shadow, you know. So I don't know that I've ever, ever, ever reached the end of the shadow process myself. And I've been doing it for 10 years, so... But it is very important because the ghouls are attracted to your shadow. And I think, you know, from reading my site and reading my books, I've said that the darkness of the world is coming out. And it's going to come out big time. It's like people are going to get angry, you know. Um, I saw an interesting vision just this morning. And it was a $50 Canadian note, you know, they're kind of russet-colored, orangey-looking. And the zero was missing. So it just said five instead of 50. And I believe it was a vision that was kind of saying that the money's gonna drop 90% in value, you know? And so you imagine people out there, they're gonna get pretty uptight. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna just engineer our way through, walking through this minefield of life, just using our perceptions and our feelings. And to do that, you have to get very, very intimately connected to your divinity. And I hope that at the end of this weekend, I will have at least taken you part of the way towards that divinity. Because we're all custodians of a small part of the God-force. We're all custodians of this eternal light. And you are the way, the truth, and the light, even if your life is like insane. I mean, absolutely, totally insane, there is still a part of you that is connected to eternity. And what we seek to do, and what myself and Krebsik and Mr. Casper and the others have sought to do over these last few years, is to go back inside that divinity. I was on a journey not very long ago, about four or five days ago, and these beings took me through two very, very intense sessions where they asked me to sit in a chair and hold steady, and like tens of thousands of ghouls came at me. And they were traveling like thousand miles an hour. And they were boom, like wanging me in the forehead. And boom, I was getting hit left and right. And they said, hold steady, Mr. Wild. hold steady. And after about two minutes and 15 seconds, um, I was getting slightly panicky. I and mean, I don't really get panicky. I usually always hold steady. And they said, 45 seconds more, Mr. Wild." And I thought, okay, so I just held on and it was coming, it was coming, it was coming, it was like almost every evil that there's ever been in the world, you know, sort of, just all nastiness, really nastiness, Nazis, God knows what. And then suddenly it stopped and I lay down, I was really exhausted. And about an hour later they said, one more, Mr. Wall, please sit in the chair. And I said, how long? They said, one minute. And a certain group of people that are very occult, very dangerous, very powerful, they attacked for one minute. And again, it was an insanity. I saw like 10,000 years of their evil coming at me. And I got past that and I lay down and I was lying there. And they said, Right, okay, now you've withstood these two major attacks, you know. It'll never get worse than that. That's the most that the ghouls can ever muster, you know. And then they said to me, Would you like to stand inside the higher self of God? And I went, Huh? You know, like, you're talking to me, (laughs) you know. Are you sure it's not a clerical area? It's me, you know, Stewie Well from the Dog and Duck. Are you sure you haven't fucked this up or something? They said, no, Mr. Well, come here. So I went inside this, 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 this higher self. It was like a logo box that Krepsik's going to talk about tomorrow. And the golden lights and the diamond lights and the blues and the golds and the fractals and the lines of energy going out ping, ping, ping. I don't know how much percentage of God I was looking at, but it was certainly pretty. And I stood inside there and I thought, wow. This is the divinity that is inside each one of us. This extraordinary beauty is there. You just have to sustain your own darkness and the darkness of your relatives and that sort of stuff, you know? You've heard me say in my books, happiness is relative. The further you get away from your relatives, (laughs) the happier you are, right? Well, you know, it's just you gotta learn to hold steady. You gotta learn to be calm and you have to develop this powerful Taoist detachment that I talked about in Silent Power, that book and in other books, I discussed it. You have to hold steady, you know, if it's raining, you do rain and you get wet. You know, if the money goes down 90%, you buy 90% less with your money. Don't get phased about anything. You just let it happen all around you and let them get phased, you know. Sometimes on the ayahuasca, that you know I'm very, very keen on ayahuasca because it shows you the lunar mirror worlds instantly. Like instantaneously, most everybody sees visions on ayahuasca. If they don't, they just got to drink a little more. Um, LAUGHTER But there in those lunar worlds, you see the reality, you see the celestial heavens, you see the hells, and it comes at you. And we teach people in the ayahuasca, we say, listen, do not be overawed by the celestial. Don't be overawed by the celestial, and don't be frightened by the ghouls. Just watch and observe. And I say to people, hey, if a snake comes and wants to eat you, let it. Just let it eat you. Say, hi, snake. Yes, certainly, please, here. Munch my arm. Do what you want. Because on the other side of the snake eating you, you transcend. You go through this beatification. You go through this glory. It's like rapture, I suppose, if you're Christian. You know, I don't know what Christian rapture sounds like, but I'm sure if you take enough drugs, you'll figure it out. But it's rapture. And then, so this bear shows up one day, right? And he says, and I said to the bear, I said, listen, if you're going to eat me, bro, just eat me. And he put his head over, his mouth over my head, and kind of couldn't swallow. <laughs> so I was sort of stuck inside his head for like a several minutes, you know, like looking around inside this bear's head. And then I'd lost track of what was happening. I thought, where the, where am I, where am I? And suddenly I could see the bear's spine, but from inside. Like, I was actually right inside this bear, and I was looking at the bear's spine from inside. It was like, whoa, this is so moving, you know? And I was like inside this bear, and it was looking after me, it was protecting me. So again, you've got to really, really hold steady to allow a bear to eat you, or a snake to swallow you, or to have dinner with a mother-in-law, you know? Like, you just have to be really, really, really fucking centered, you know? And you have to sit, And how's the cake? Delicious, thank you very much. Any more? No, no, not really, one slice is enough. Oh, please, 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 okay, fine, more cake. So it's just a matter of composure, you know. And I hope that by the end of this weekend, I can infect you with this calm, with this composure, with this knowing. Because you see, you don't really have to know things. That's the mind, isn't it? The mind seeks answers. I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. But the the question is, why? Why do you have to know? Well, I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. And why do you have to know? And I used to tell people to go around and say things, like if people say, like, what do you know? You say, I don't know nothing, man. I don't know, and I don't care. You know, as long as you're at peace and at one with yourself right here and now, you do not really need to know very much. Okay, you want the ladies' room? Fine, it's out there somewhere, you know. But essentially, what do you need to know? What's going to happen next week? What do you care? You can just relax. Well, what if they take my house away? If they take your house away, move in with the neighbors. You know, well, what if they take their house away? Well, I don't know, go move in with the relatives, buy a tent, go to Africa, where they don't have houses. And what if they repossess my car? Walk. And what if I don't like walking? Hop. What if I don't like hopping? Don't go anywhere at all, just stand around, walk around in a circle on Main Street, until you tire out. You know, none of it's actually vital, you see. It's only because we decide things are vital. You know, it has to be like this, and it has to be like that. And this has to be done, and this has to happen at this time. And you know, these people have got to act in this certain way. They're never going to act in the way you want them to act. You tried it. You know, you tried. You cajoled them. You terrorize them. You you shout at them. You threaten them, and they still don't do what you want. Especially if you've got kids. You know what it's like. You know, you cannot get them to do anything. The way to get them to do something is to tell them to do the opposite. You know, you say, "Don't ever clean your teeth," and they go off and clean their teeth and because I got so fed up with taking, trying to get these kids to go to school every morning my, my son and all his little friends used to live at the house with us there was maybe eight or ten of them so one morning I thought fuck this every morning I get up at half past seven and I have to try to get these schnotty kids to go to school and we've got, got to fix some cereals and all that mucky shit they eat and I thought, I don't want to do this I don't want to like, party down all night and f- go to bed at five and get up at seven and try to fix these snotty kids up so I lined them all up in the kitchen one day you know? and I said, listen up okay? I said, here's the rules first of all, there are no rules secondly, look after each other and if you don't want to go to school, don't go just don't bug me about it okay? I could give a rat's ass if you go to school or not So, of course, the next day, none of the kids went to school. Not a one. And then on the second day, none of the kids went to school. And they'd say, What's for dinner? I'd say, What would you like to cook? There's the kitchen, cook it. You know? Fix it up. In those days, we did have a chef. So sometimes I'd say, listen, go talk to Leon, the chef, and tell him what you want for dinner. We want blah, 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 blah. I said, listen, don't talk to me about it. Just fix it yourself or talk to the chef. Anyway, on day three, the kids still didn't go to school. And on day five, on a Friday, I was in the kitchen writing a book that later on became God's Gladiators. And suddenly one of these kids comes up the stairs with a backpack on. And I thought, fuck me, Pink. What's this kid doing, you know? (laughs) And I said, Matt, what are you doing? Where are you going? he says, I've got to go to school. We're having a test today. I said, oh, well, okay, off you go. And gradually the kids just all started to go to school. And after that, they went to school every single day. They got each other up and fought with each other and washed each other's ears and stuff like that. And so I thought, wow, well, that's it, man. You know, just let them do whatever they want to do. And then you get out of this struggle of trying to get people to perform the way you want them to perform. It's like so pointless. It's so pointless, you know, trying to get your spouse and your husband and your relatives Out. And your people in the office and all of that, they're not going to do what you want anyway, you know. So let them do whatever they want to do. And so I realized how this detachment that I learned from my old teacher, the principles of Taoism, it's easy. It's really easy, but you kind of got to train yourself. You got to train yourself not to complain. You got to train yourself not to insist You've got to train yourself to accept. You've got to train yourself to be benevolent. You've got to train yourself to forgive people because they're going to mess you around, you know? I mean, but they're going to mess you around whether you forgive them or don't forgive them. They're going to mess you around whether you're a Taoist or not a Taoist. They're still going to mess you around, so you just let them. Just let him rip you off, you know. You think, oh, well, there you go, ripped off, another one. You know, it's like, I call it the Groundhog Day of disappointing people, you know. Like, they just keep coming round and round and round. You think, oh, there's another one. And you just relax. You just get right out of all of it. And you open your heart. Because the safety in the next two or three years will only be an equation on how much you've been able to open your heart. If you can open your heart and you've got no resistance you become safe. It sounds ludicrous because you think, well, surely I should just protect myself and put on my armor and buy a gun and get some insurance, da-da-da-da-da, and maybe i get those spiky things in the driveway that you can't drive over. And, um, yeah, but you know, you can still get shot in the head at the bus stop, can't you, you know? You it can all go wrong for you. So the thing is, this is just to have no resistance. You say, well, what if I drop dead, to What well, if somebody does shoot me in the head? You see, you don't know whether being alive is better than being dead, do you? Like. There is no evidence that being alive is better. You know, I mean, perhaps really what you need to do is return to your celestial home and hang out with us up there, you know. I mean, we're lucky because we can get in those spirit worlds even now, we're not dead, you know, we can see them. And you have to trust me, I wouldn't lie to you, man, ever, ever, ever. They're so beyond beautiful. So you don't actually know whether being alive or being dead is better. So just relax, man, you know. somebody shoots you in the head, you know, you say, right shoot me in the end. Thank you very much. Please try not to miss. You know? Because <laughs> I don't want to wander around through life with one EM, missing, you, you know? I mean, if you're going to shoot, bro, shoot straight. You see, it's all to do with how you feel. And then when you're not in the fight, and when you're not in the resistance, and when you're not duking it out with your relatives, and when you're not filing law cases, and when you're not angry and pissed off because they i don't know they took your space for the wheelie bin in the street on tuesdays when the trash truck comes around they got my wheelie bin space it's like you're free maybe you don't need the wheelie bin maybe you can post the trash to your relatives or people you don't like there's ways around everything you know maybe you can bury it in the garden it's like hey it's so simple and then it liberates you And that's really what my books have tried to do, is to set people free, to liberate them from the agony of their life. And you look at these people walking around the hallway here, and you can see they're in agony. Okay, they're playing dice, and they're having a few drinks, and they're hanging out with their mates, and so they're trying to forget their agony. But essentially, their whole energy is like one of pure agony. So I would hope that by the end of this weekend, I would have at least liberated you from the agony. But to liberate yourself, you have to go in exactly the opposite direction to what you think you've got to do. You've got to let go. You know, you've got to let the snake eat you. You know, and when the snake's finished eating you, you've got to let the bear eat you. And if something else wants to come and eat you, you've got to let that eat you. You just give up. Give up on trying. Give up. And it comes, it all comes. But you have to open your heart. You know, for me, it came in 2000. In the year 2000, in July, I was in a garden and I was doing this tiny little seminar. I had this kind of little gig I used to do called Transcendental Tours. And I used to take people through the fairy forests of Ireland and give them mushrooms and show them the sacred sites and just stuff, you know? I mean, it's pretty full on intensive seminar. It's not sort of stuff, you know, it's not like a New Age conference. It was more, you know, Celtic shamanism, you know? And I was in this garden and my arm lit up suddenly. <laughs> And it was all like blazing light. And I thought, fuck me and the horse I wheeled in on. You know? (laughs) But it stopped. And then the next morning I woke up about six o'clock in the morning and my entire body was glowing. And I was unbelievably hot. And I had this celestial heat just radiating out of me. And I thought, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'll go into the bathroom and I'll turn on the faucets and I'll fill the water, the bath full of cold water and I'll cool down, I'll be fine. And I got in the bath and I had a friend of mine there because I was a bit incapable of walking. His name's Ralph Miller. And I said, Ralph, well, help me get to the bathroom because I'm really F-U-C-K-E-D, Fouquet, you know. Um, am better Fouquet. Get me in this bathroom. So he got in the bath and it was all cold and lovely. And seconds later, the heat came back and I knew I was in serious trouble. Because don't forget, I'm looking after a group of seminar people, you know. Like, they want me to talk to them, process, answer questions, take them through the forest. And I was boiling. I was absolutely boiling. And this heat was coming out of my eyes. And I couldn't move. So luckily, I was with some good people who helped me get through those last few days of that seminar. And you'd think at that point, well, okay, now, Steve, are you going to quit and just accept this heat? Well, I did. But the fact is, it lasted five months. Five months day and night for five months, and sometimes I'd lay on the kitchen floor where the tiles were, these Spanish tiles, because that was the coldest place in the house, laying on these kitchen floor, but I wasn't able to move, so I'd have to pee on the floor and clean it up later, and I'd lie there in my underwear, and I'd call my mate in Denver, and I'd talk to him for five hours on the telephone, saying, I can't stand it, man, I don't know what's happening to me, I'm actually boiling hot, I cannot move. He says, is it getting any better? I said, no. In fact, I've got to tell you, bro, it's actually getting worse. Anyway, this heat went on and on and on. But it rebuilt me. It burnt off all the old stuff and rebuilt me, you know. It completely reconstituted me. And, and like the little sort of brown spots on my hand, you know, from sunburn or liver spots, they all disappeared. My hand went creamy white and it's still creamy white to this day. So to be able to sustain something like that heat, it's a celestial heat, you have to be able to let go. Because like what you were thinking of doing Tuesday, you're not doing it. You're lying on the kitchen floor pissing. (laughs) Right? And you're lying there in your bra and your knickers and you're peeing on the floor. And it's going to go on for five whole months. It's not like it's finishing tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. You know, we could turn the ball game on. It's going to keep going. So sometimes weird things happen on this journey. Really strange stuff that, you know, hey, you've just got to accept that that's how it is. You know, so what if this celestial energy comes and visits you tonight and suddenly you go boiling hot? You can panic and think, Jesus, I'm going so hot. Or you can think, hey, you know, I'm just hot, man. Just sweat, you know. Like, boil, you know. Why not? The hardest part about the heat was um, the heat coming out of my eyes. It's really weird. But if you've never had hot eyes, you aren't going to know how fucking strange it is. But it's really strange. And you feel like you can, like, burn a hole in the carpet. You know, that sort of go zzzz, zzzz. Zip, zip. But it's all a point of letting go because you would come and invest in this seminar and sell the piano to get here in order to transcend, right? You want to go somewhere now, don't you, you know? You don't want to hear the same old stuff because if you did, we could roll Deepak out, you know? I've come here to tell you... I've come here to tell you that Stewie Wilde is the most dangerous man in the world. I said, for fuck's sake, Deepak, I said, you can't go around telling people that, for fuck's sake, man, you know, you'll get me arrested. Oh, no, I never said anything of the sort. <laughs> yes, you did, man, I heard you say it. No, no, no. I mean, we could do the seven spiritual laws of failure, you know, and you'd be upset, you know, like, oh, no, you know, we've got to do that. The laws of attraction, let's do that. <laughs> laws of attraction. <laughs> Two laws of attraction. No, oh, you want to transcend. You want to go past this bullshit. You want to go past these lies. You want to go past this insanity which you call daily life. You know, you want to go past these relationships that are so painful, you know. You got to let them go, man, you know. Let them go, you know. Love on a bus. You put them on a fucking bus, right, and get rid of them. You know, you've got to improve your life, you know. You've got to transcend. That's why the ayahuasca is very important, you know, I believe it is anyway. Because, you know, you drink that little brown liquid and 20 minutes or so, half an hour after you drink that liquid, every book that you've ever read, ever, goes out the window. I mean, none of it means anything once you see those worlds, you know. So if you've done the ayahuasca, you'll know. And it's essentially... The same here, hanging out with us this weekend. It's like an ayahuasca without taking ayahuasca. And that's what this is, because it's an exercise in transcending. But you cannot stay in the same place and transcend, you know? So let's say you're going down, you're being, you're being swept down this river, and you're holding desperately onto, let's say, the root of a tree, because you don't want to go down the river. And you say, What if there's rocks, you know? Hey, if there's rocks, you might break every bone in your body. You say, but what if there's rocks? I said, I told you, I told you, man. You know, you're going to break every bone in your body, but let go. Because maybe there's no rocks. You know, maybe there's no sharks. Maybe there's no alligators. You know, maybe the river arrives in this celestial place. Maybe it arrives in hell. Who cares? You're just going to be so so strong inside yourself. You don't care. You're just at one and peace with all of it. And that's what I hope I can instill upon you. This need to, like, finally relax this place of, like, serenity inside of you. And you think, oh, I wonder what that would feel like, you know? Well, turn the TV off, turn the music off, you know, sell the kids into slavery, you know, send them to Nigeria, get rid of the spouse, and go for a walk with your dog in the forest and don't come back for six years. I went out in 1993, you know, this is a true story. I went out in 1993 to get a bottle of milk and a packet of cigarettes and I never went back I just left you know I decided I wasn't going home it is possible it is possible you people say there's death and taxes are inevitable neither are neither 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 first you can become a perpetual traveler and don't pay no taxes and secondly you don't necessarily have to die you can walk out of it but to walk out of here you've got to be really really good at letting go you know, so it's like Lot's wife. She looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah, because maybe she enjoyed hanging out there, bonking and doing whatever she was doing. You know, all that debauchery and S&M or whatever was going on down there. You know, so she had a, like a moment of hankering for it, and she turned into Pinus of, Pillows, of sore, meaning like she was too coarse, too material, too hard. But hey, you can walk out, man. There's doorways everywhere. I put them there. I know exactly where they are you can actually walk through and dematerialize and by the time we get to the end of this weekend I hope that I will show you the dematerialization process at least partial dematerializations, you know some of you have seen it in Amsterdam haven't you, did you see it in Amsterdam, you guys hands, hands, a few hands Yeah. some of you might have seen it last, two years ago when we were here, and I'm going to show you how your, your body can dematerialize I mean it's not scary, you know it just isn't there anymore well that's a serious amount of letting go, isn't it you know Am here? No. you sure I'm not here? I'm telling you, bro, you're not fucking here, man. I'm telling you, you're not here. But you'll be back in a minute. But well, hey, yeah, you're finished, you see. Now, imagine that, Mike. Right? Imagine if you can just suddenly, let's say, well, like, what about, uh, let's walk through this wall, you know? Why not? Let's try it, you know? We don't know, we can't do it. It's just you've got to contemplate. Can you do it? Can I not do it? Hey, let's try it. If you whack the wall, it doesn't matter. At least you had the bravery to try it. You know, there's not that many people to try walking through a wall and are willing to break their nose doing it. But we could try it. You know, we might try that. See, how many of us can get through this wall without disturbing the molecules, you see? So I try to get you to think in a different way, you know? I try to get you to think a different way. Like, are your problems solid? Or are they just a complete illusion? Are your hopes and dreams solid? Or is it just... (laughs) You know, you are masturbating yourself? or you are masturbating your importance? Or do they make any sense? Or like, is it really what you want? I mean, how many of you have worked hard to get what you want, and when you got it, you thought, what the fuck was I working out for this for? (laughs) You know, like, it didn't do anything for me anyway. So you gotta get very clear, man. You know, it could be you don't need anything. It could be you don't want anything, really. You know, like, you don't want anything at all. What would you like? Uh, what would you like, man? I don't know, man, nothing. I don't want anything, I want a dog. Okay, here's a dog, now what do you want? Uh, I don't know, maybe nothing. It could be that you don't really need anything and you don't actually want anything. And it could be like the reason why you never moved to Hawaii was because you're stupid. You know, you get on a plane and it's marked Hawaii. And that's how you get to Hawaii, it's easy. You know, you get the bottle of milk, get the packet of cigarettes and fuck it to Hawaii. Don't come back, you know, don't tell anybody. Say, where did you go? I don't know, man, I heard this hula hula music. I don't know if that's a clue. It could be just easy, it could be that simple. It could be that simple to fall in love with the most beautiful person you've ever, ever met. That you've dreamt of, you know. Maybe they could just walk in the door and be there. But maybe you never set your sights high enough, you know. So you sort of settle for like... "Mm." But it could be that like... It comes. You know, instead of... "Mm." It could be simple. It could be like even worse simple than that, you know. Like making money could be so simple, couldn't it? You could just make like... I don't know, just loads of it, all in one day, you know? Like, lots of it, you know, without even really having to work. And, um, yeah, why not? Let's just make a pack of money simply, you know? Like, why do we have to work for it? Why don't we just be clever, box clever, you know? Buy, sell, sell, buy. You know, why don't we liberate ourselves? Why don't we get out of these ghastly homes that the mortgage company owns, you know? A lot of people think they own their house, don't they? You know, it's a complete illusion, isn't it? The bank owns the house, right? And I found out something here, right? I found out that the bank owned Blake's Hotel. You know, as I go and stay in Blake's, it's one of the fanciest hotel out. It's very lush. Reminds me of the lush worlds. The bank has repossessed Blake's Hotel, so eventually Blake's Hotel is going to close. So I'm already distraught. And then I thought to myself, hey, let it go, man. You know, 17 years in Blake's Hotel, that's probably all I need, you know. So that's the end of Blake's Hotel. We may not need any of it, you see. It could be that, like, you don't need it. You know, you don't need, let's say, your spiritual pomposities. You know, do you need to be chosen? Do you need to be special? Do you need to be the... Vestal virgin that's vectoring the energies, you know? Or can you liberate yourself and be fuck all nothing? Like, be nothing, you know? That's the three wild sensual theme, be nothing. I mean, all the other people will tell you, oh, you've got to go and acquire this and become something, you know, like Tony Robbins seminar, you know? (laughs) Greed is good. What about if you don't want to be anything? Like, what would you like to be? Nothing at all. And what have you done? I'm not talking about what I've done. And where would you like to go? I'm not telling you, in case you follow me. Right? <laughs> Fuck you. And uh, is there anything you want? No, I did want a dog, but ten minutes ago this guy gave me a dog, so I'm fine. And um, are you special? No, not special. No, are you chosen? Like you're one of the chosen ones? No, no, I didn't get chosen, man. Nobody chose me. <laughs> and uh, you see, it could just be the opposite way, couldn't it? Be nothing, and then you're safe be nobody, be anonymous. You know, when they send you a tax bill, leave. It's easy, it's so simple, but not many people can think like that. You know, the first time I got a tax bill from the state of New Mexico, I thought, fuck me, man, $42,000, and I couldn't figure out what the state of New Mexico had done for me. So I left. And five years later, somebody forwarded me one of these little brown envelopes with the windows. I mean, they're dangerous, right? As soon as you know it's got a window in it, you know that you are a little petty poof you know, something. And now the bill was 152,000, right, from the state of New Mexico. And I thought, well, fuck it, man. I wasn't paying them 42, and I sure as fuck ain't paying them 150. <laughs> so I never went back, you know? Okay, I miss New Mexico sometimes, but I'd rather keep the 150, <laughs> you know? If it's like a matter of choices, you know, like, eh, what do you want, New Mexico or 150 Eh, What was the question? Do you want a New Mexico on this side? Or do you want 150000 bucks that side? Ah, well, let me just think. <laughs> I'm staying here. Hasta la vista. Beans. Tortillas. Tex-Mex. La-la-la-la. The Lobos. Bye-bye. So that's how I solved my tax problem. I left. Could be easier, could be even easier. You can read, I should have not been there in the first place. Right? There's a simple solution to all the problems. Wayne Dyer says there's a spiritual solution to all the problems, and in a way he's right, you know? And, and then what's the next solution? Twice. And what's the third solution? And these are all spiritual solutions offered by Dr. Dyer Wayne Dyer, and he is completely correct. There may be really simple solutions. Like the alimony, say. Don't pay her. Leave. Go to Africa. They don't have alimony in Africa. You know, and what are we going to do about this? And what are we going to do about that? How about nothing? And don't you feel strongly about the Tibetans? No. Are you sure you don't? I'm absolutely fucking certain. <laughs> I've been to some free Tibet dinners. You know, I got totally drunk. But as far as Tibet's concerned, I'm more than happy for them to have Tibet or not have Tibet. Because in the end, it's nothing to do with me, is it? I mean, I'm not going to fix Tibet. That is totally beyond me. Like, I have no capacity. I don't lie in bed and think, oh, I am going to save Tibet. I mean, what if you sent all the Tibetans back to Tibet? Maybe they fucking hate it. They say, this place has changed a lot since we left. You know, what a dump. I mean, maybe they don't want to go back to Tibet. And if they do want to go back to Tibet, why do we give a rat's ass whether they're going back or not going back? Because it's nothing to do with us. But of course, I have a compassion for their loss. I'm sorry you lost Tibet. But it's not my business to return Tibet to. (laughs) you. And what are we going to do about global warming? Nothing at all absolutely nothing. I can liberate you from global warming easy, because the economies are going to crap out so badly that all of global warming is going to be fixed overnight. And I was talking to somebody from Greenpeace only a few weeks ago, like a month ago in London, because I'm a supporter of Greenpeace in my own sort of casual way. I'm not particularly good at it, but I do support them, and they said, oh, I said, what are you doing about this global warming, and they said, no, it's fantastic, they said, Stewie, ever since this financial crisis came in, emissions have dropped by 50%, so all that CO2 up in the air and the Kyoto agreement and all that bullshit, hey, all you got to do is make sure you have a long and steady crisis, and the global warming's fixed. There's no global warming anymore, because now everybody's so broke, they can't run these factories and run around anymore. So global warming got fixed overnight. They didn't need Kyoto. They didn't need the agreements. It just got fixed by everybody being broke. So I thought, how perfect is that, man? Guy is so clever. Just take everybody's money away, and then there's no more global warming. You know they're going to try to fix the whales because the, the Norwegian and the Japanese are still whaling and killing these whales. You know, so we're sorry for whales. You know, and so I sent my money in. I don't know. I'm saving the whales. You know, very new age. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to save the whales or not, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try, try, try. But hey, we fixed global warming. It's incredible, isn't it? When you think about it, 50% drop in emissions since this crisis started, and if the crisis kicks in a little bit more, there'll be another 50% drop. So we solve the problems ourselves, you see. We're self-correcting. It's, a, it's sort of like if you don't do anything, it fixes itself, doesn't it? Have you tried that with mail and stuff like that? Get a shoebox and let everything hit the shoebox from the letterbox by direct delivery, you know? You can build sides to the box and so none of the letters escape. And you leave them in there for at least four to six months, the letters. And then you throw them away. Then you empty the shoebox ceremoniously and you put the shoebox back underneath where the mail comes through the chute. And you do it again. And I swear, man, I've been doing this for years. And it really works. I never open letters. I never, never open letters. And the other day I wanted to find out where my credit card company was. And I thought, fuck. I've got to open this letter now to find out, you know. And I refused. For days and days and days, I was in conflict with this letter with a little window in it. I mean, it was marked something like April 1998, because I've had it around for a long time. And I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to open this letter, man. I refuse to open this letter. And I thought, but I do need to know where the credit card company is. So I rang him up. I said, where the fuck are you? Because I've got one of your credit cards, and I need to know where you are. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're in Belfast. I said, what a shit-off, I'm sorry for you. Um... <laughs> Thank you very much. What's your address? And there's a box 99, blah, blah, blah. Send it to Belfast. So I sent him a check to Belfast. But mail is great. The Wild system for mail is absolutely foolproof. You need a shoebox, and you need some little cardboard sides to it so none of the letters can fall and bounce out the box, you know? And you leave them there, and I swear to God, it's going to be so... You're going to, be, you're going to go into fucking forms of ecstasy, right? You do not answer anything to anybody ever. Ever, not once. And the less you answer, the more free you are. You know, people say, "Did you get that letter I sent you five years ago?" You say, "No." The post sucks, it really sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did it say? Well, you know, I wrote you about this, and that. oh, well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Never answer anything. And once you get to that, you're free. And I'm, I swear to God, I'm not actually joking. I don't open letters. I can't stand them. They all sort of move. You can cut your fingers on them. You know, they're sharp, aren't they? They're sort of, they want to bite you. And you know it's dangerous when they want to bite you. You think, fuck me, man, they're trying to eat me. So just don't answer them. Inland Revenue Service. All you've got to do is not be in land. You need to be out there somewhere. If you're bobbling around in a boat in the Atlantic, they're not going to be chasing around for you up there, are they? So, everything is simple. There's a solution. There's a spiritual solution for everything. Shoebox, they're very spiritual. Finger, very spiritual. Airport, extremely spiritual. There's almost nothing you can't fix with airport. You know that from reading my books, right? Everything divorce, ill health, financial crisis, tax bills. I mean, airport gets you out of everything. And you just sit there and lying in bed one night, I could hear this in my mind Airport, airport, <laughs> airport. And that was 1992, 93. And I left the house and I didn't come back. I have never been back to, oh no, I did go back, yeah, you know, so the last time I left that house was in 2000. So I own a house I haven't been to for nine years. I think, what do I need to go there for? You know, it's like, Botheration, isn't it? Like, I was driving this car and it pissed me off. And I pulled into this garage, and this very sweet guy helped me. And I said, I want to give you this car. And he went, What? He says, Is this a trick? I said, No, the car's pissing me off. And so I gave him the car, and a week or two later, Tom Lishman sent him the pink slip. And I gave in the car, I thought, it's so much easier than trying to worry about this car is to give it to a complete stranger. I'm not saying everybody can do that, but it's like if something bothers you, give it to somebody you don't like, you know. I've told you, like, get, you know, these three wild books, post, post them to people you don't like, fuck them up, you know. Okay, so you get in this little meditation and you start to try to let go and you start to feel what the potential of this liberation might be like for yourself. Like, do you deserve it? Have you tried hard? Have you gone a long way in a fruitless effort? Yeah, of course you deserve it. You know, you have a right to be free. You have a right to live a life without fear and pain. You have a right to be fit, you have a right Abundance—you have a right to many different things, and if you don't have all that stuff around you, it was just you that denied yourself. You know, you wouldn't allow yourself to go there because you had to hang on to over this. You know, so it's again—it's back to this. Like, if you got to hold onto this podium. How are we going to make it to Hawaii? You know, we can't go to Hawaii with this thing tied to our leg, can we? You know, mm, mm, Hawaii, here we come. So it's just a matter of letting go. It's just a matter of like kindness. A kindness inside yourself. A lot of you are far too cruel to humans and animals. And you're far too cruel to yourself. You're just pretending to be nice, but you're not actually nice. So when you start to treat yourself properly and when you start to look after yourself or when you start to look upon yourself with benevolence and forgiveness, again, that purity starts to build. You can be forgiven anything, you know? Like, I'd be happy to forgive you your worst crimes, you know? Come forward, I'll hear your confession if you like. You know? But you forgive yourself and you begin to move towards this resounding benevolence that you offer the world out there but first and foremost you offer it to yourself you stop and you look and think geez what do I need this pain for or like why have I been doing this to myself you know what do I need it for and of course generally speaking you don't I mean sometimes it's just your karma I mean some people have bad karma you know And they have to resolve it by being very humble and not struggling and learning to suffer in silence. And eventually they work their way out of their karma. But most of everybody, you guys have got fantastic karma. You wound up in a very wealthy country. You've all got stuff and so forth. And you've got privileged positions and you're all educated by somebody somewhere. And, you know, your karma, generally speaking, was pretty good because look where you found yourself, you know. You're not starving in some rat hole in Africa, are you, you know. You're up there, man, you're moving. Maybe you were born starving in Africa, but you made it here. You're pretty savvy, right. Ooh, change my karma, go to America. So it's like, it's time to change. It's time to let go. And it's time to cast a soft eye upon yourself and to offer that same soft eye to humanity, so you can walk through this casino tonight and practice not judging the people that you see. Just offering benevolence to everybody that passes you and breathe love into their heart. Even if they look really fucking ghastly and you're scared of them, you know? The people you're scared of most blow more. <laughs> okay, so what's your matter with you? So I'm scared of you. <laughs> it's like the worse they are, the more you love them. Just adore everybody. But you have to also start by adoring yourself. You have to adore yourself. You have to not get up yourself. I'm not talking about self-importance or narcissism, you know, obsession, but just to understand that you're really heroic. You made it to here under extreme difficult circumstances, you know? And here is the place where like, whoa, wait a minute, we're going to offer each other liberation. You know, we're going to offer each other the freedom to get out of all this mess and to develop such a good intuition, such a good ability to see that you're going to know where to go and what to do. It's going to just be so obvious. It's going to be so obvious. And you think, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go to Peru. I know a drug dealer, a reformed drug dealer, who's been one of my students for several years, And one day she decided she didn't want to deal drugs anymore and be involved in that ugly world, you know. So, hey, she's not going to be earning a living, like serious good living, you know, dealing drugs. So now this chick's moved to Peru, where, you know, I don't know, maybe you can live really well for 100 bucks a month. But hey, at least she's free. She's in the jungle of Peru. She's studying with some shamans. She doesn't have to deal drugs. She doesn't have to get shot in the head. She doesn't have to worry about the police. She doesn't have to file tax returns on her drug product profits. She's living in Peru happy man okay so maybe that i'm not saying all of you are going to go live in peru but it's a way of saying hey look at the insanity of this woman's life and suddenly she doesn't have to be insane anymore but she had to go to peru to prove that she could live a life away from drugs and be sane and maybe after six months or a year she goes back home again i don't know but you can see how like there's a possibility for all of you to set yourself free to set yourself free of your pomposities To set yourself free of your stuff. To set yourself free of your ego trips. To set yourself free of your mind driving you crazy. What do you know? What do you know? Nothing. I don't know nothing and I don't give a rat's ass. What do you think of Tibet? I try not to think of Tibet. What do you think of the government? I try not to think of the government. What do you think of the system? I haven't got a clue. Would you like to vote? No, thank you. Not at all. It encourages them. I'm not voting ever again. Are you interested who's in power? No. No, the same twerps get in. It doesn't make a blind bit of difference whether they're Labour, Conservative, Republican, Democrat, Christians, Jews, Africans, Chinese, a one-legged, one-legged poof with a fucking bionic eye. It wouldn't make a blind bit of fucking difference who's in power. I don't care. Aren't you interested? Yeah, I'm interested in lots of things, man. I'm interested in walking with my dog. Where'd you get the dog from? Well, I wanted a dog, and this guy gave me a dog. So now I'm walking around with this dog, I see. And anything else you're interested in? Yeah, I'm interested in that butterfly over there. I want to become his friend. And anything else you're interested in? Yeah, I like to close my eyes and watch these celestial worlds. And is there anything else you're interested in? Yeah, I like this waterfall. I'm thinking of getting married underneath it one day, naked to a supermodel. Oh, yes. (laughs) Anything else? Nope. Do you need it? No, I don't need it. I was just daydreaming. So here we are, this weekend of liberation, such as so a free. You know, and the first place you do is you offer that liberation to others, even if you don't have it yourself. You know, so Even if you're really pissed off. Hey, what's this guy talking about? I ain't free. Offer it to the people in the, in the hallway. Just breathe love at them. Look them in the eye. Don't judge them. Don't be scared of them. Just, it doesn't matter how ludicrous they look okay just love them just love just blow love at them liberate them hey let me set you free let me forgive your sins for you let me liberate you of your agony let me heal you without even talking to you let me make you stronger by just walking past you let me show you that there is a way out of this insanity come 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 towards the light you know they saw the light and they came. There's a song that I haven't written yet, but it appears on an album which hasn't been done. <laughs> you can show them the light. Because if you're not in pain, even if you're like, let's say you come out of your pain for 10 minutes, okay, what are you offering people? You're offering them heaven. You're offering them this celestial benevolence of like, wow, look, here's a person that's wandering around that's not in agony. You know, what's wrong with this picture? They're not in agony. And you're not in agony. You're just walking around and you're smiling and you're happy. Uh, is everything perfect in your life? No. Have you, all your concerns melted away? No. Are there lots of little letters in the shoebox? Yes. An ever increasing pile of them? Did you sell the bike and go to Peru? Yes, that's next week. Hey, just offer them benevolence, offer them forgiveness. Because you've got to forgive yourself. And therefore, in order to manage that, you have to forgive everybody else. So all the people that have ever ripped you off, in your next meditation, line them all up like criminals in a dock. You know, there's Auntie Joan, and there's my mate Sid, and here's the guy that stole my fucking car, and here's the guy that took 20 grand and didn't come back, and da-da-da-da, and here's the bank that overcharged me, and here's this corporation that ripped me off. Let them go. Let them go. Law cases, abandon them. Call the lawyers on Monday, say, stop suing them. All the arguments, stop arguing. Make peace with everybody, even if they're wrong. Go to the neighbor, say, look, I didn't want to fight with you. I'm sorry I fought with you. Please, put your wheelie bin wherever you want to put it. You know, you could have a row of wheelie buildings across my driveway. I don't care. I'm going to levitate the car in, and I'm going to levitate the car out. <laughs> put your wheelie bins wherever you want the wheelie bins. I'm not, it's not worth it to me to wrap my soul over a wheelie bin. It's not worth it for me to have rancor for you. Like, there's a bench shaman, I know. Well, there's a lot of shamans in a bench, but I know there's one particular bench shaman in, in, in Brazil. And he stole 60-something thousand from a friend of mine, you know. And my friend's been threatening him and suing him and hiring lawyers and this and that. And he said, what do you think I should do, you?" I said, just give him the fucking 60 grand, man. You know, my friend's pretty wealthy, so he doesn't have to fight for the 60 grand. But I said, just let him have the 60 grand. Why bother to fight? You know, there's no point in fighting but I want to bring him down and I want the world to know what a crook this This guy is I said listen bro people know he's a crook you know only you didn't know that's why you gave him the 60 grand you know know, if you've been listening you're going to found out this guy's really bent you know let it go let it go let it go let it go don't vote don't answer the phone don't open the letters just hang out Dance, make love, take drugs with your friends, go to a party, walk in the forest, take the dog, woof woof. Uh, you know, just do all the stuff that gives you pleasure, you know? Whatever that might be. Well, I like to ride on my bikes to you. Okay, ride on your bike. Let's go ride in on the bike. Why not? Let's just drive around and pretend we're big, Harley, fat ass, fat boy, kick ass Harley Davidson people. And we drive around. And then what do we do when we drive? Well, we drive out for 50 miles, we drink a beer, and then what happens? Then we drive back. Fucking hell, man. That's fantastic. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, what do you like to do? You want to listen to country western music? Jesse, let's go do that. Willie Nelson. Boom. Let's walk up to his house, go to the party. Let yourself free. But first, you've got to offer that freedom to everybody. Forgiveness. I forgive you. I forgive you. I liberate you. I offer you my divinity. It doesn't matter if you don't really have a lot of divinity to offer. Just offer it. It's not bullshit. It's a genuine thing where you say, from within the limitation of my divinity, I offer you my divinity. There's times when I was getting attacked by the ghouls because I wound up fighting in there for various reasons, causes. And... uh, the ghouls fire pain at you, you know, and suddenly you get this excruciating pain in your shoulder, and there's no reason for it. And then you see a ghoul over there and you think, Fucking hell, bah, 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 and I'd fire. But bit by bit I found an even easier way than firing at the ghouls. I would just say to the ghouls, I offer you my divinity. Whatever divinity I have, you know. It's not saying like, wow, look at me, I've got so much divinity. It's just saying within the limitation of whatever divinity I have, I offer it to you. I offer you my compassion within the limitation of my compassionless soul, you know, I offer you my compassion. I offer you my integrity. I offer you my bravery. I offer you my generosity. I offer you my knowledge. I offer you my courage. I offer you my warmth. And it doesn't matter if you don't have much of the things you're offering. You're just saying, look, I offer you my food. I only have the small amount of rice and these vegetables, but I offer you my food, please. You eat first, and what you don't eat, I'll eat. And it stops the ghouls firing the pain at you. I swear to God, it kills them stone dead. As soon as you say, I offer you my love, I offer you my divinity, it destroys them. So if you have the neighbor that's driving you nuts over the wheelie bin, offer them your divinity. Offer them your compassion silently. Offer them your warmth. Offer them your wheelie bin. Here, have it. We don't need a wheelie bin We're posting all the trash to the mother-in-law in in little envelopes. We're recycling all the letters we don't open and we're posting the trash with the letters back to her. Just keep offering them this stuff. Keep offering them this God-like person. Keep offering them this light. Offer them my light, your light, our light. Because we're light beings, man. As soon as you give up being an arsehole, you become a light being. It's an automatic switch. Arsehole, light being. Our soul, light being. <laughs> complete our soul, complete light being. <laughs> so give up. You know, and just as you walk in, as you sit in the, ele- in the elevator and you see somebody look in the eye, silently say, I offer you my divinity. I offer you my compassion. I offer you my care for the animals. I offer you my ability to raise the children. I offer you my talent. I offer you my heroism. I offer you my courage. And then gradually, they'll start to offer it back to you. They'll just come along and people give you things. You'd be surprised, you'd be amazed. they just come along and they give you things. Never say no to anything they give you. You know, my old teacher used to say that. So even if they give you that terrible tie with a nude on it and it moves when you move, you know, and the fluorescent green jacket, you know, you know accept it because, hey, you can always give it to somebody else. Always pick up all the money you see in the street that's God encouraging you to get rich, you know. And if people offer you something, even if it's fucking horrible, accept it. And just keep offering it, silently offer it. As you go through the halls, you do it all night until you go to bed. Just keep offering them your divinity. And as you offer that divinity, I swear you're gonna see it, trust me. You'll actually start to see it. And one night the beings, I asked them, I said, listen, I'd like to see my light because I've been fighting in these hell worlds for so long. When you're down there, it's really dark, you know, and you have to really hold steady. Because the ghouls are very angry and they're very violent and they're very nasty. I said, could I see this light? And I saw shoom, these curves of light, white and blue. Unbelievable speed. And the light would go out maybe, well, at least 20, 30 feet. You know, I was watching that and I think, geez, man, you know. Here, I'll offer you my light because I've seen it, you know. And it's not like you're up yourself. You're just doing it silently, aren't you, you know? i offer you my knowledge. i offer you my wisdom. I'll offer you my heroism and then as you get used to this idea of like giving it to these people silently then gradually i swear it comes back to you it comes back to you because people start to see how feminine you are you know and all spirituality is feminine it's not masculine like god's a woman absolutely no question of it you know Like the god force the living spirit is definitely feminine so the more you have that femininity inside you the more you have that softness The more you radiate, the more you radiate, the safer you are. The hardest place to be is to be all sort of yin and yang and all really violent and ready for a fight and looking for the next person that's going to attack, you know. That will bring the attack to you. The best way to to defuse an attack is just to offer them benevolence. And sometimes to spook, I had this driver, and sometimes to spook him out, when I was in San Francisco, I'd go to like the very worst areas there, like the crack corners where they're selling crack. And I'd get out of the car and start talking to the dudes that are selling crack, you know? Hey, hmm. how are you, bro? You want to buy some crack? I said, no, but I just come to talk to you. And the chauffeur was so scared he wouldn't get out of the car. He'd lock all the doors and dum, 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 all the doors would lock and he'd be there terrified. And I'd be standing on the corner in the most dangerous place in the whole of San Francisco, a white man in a Native American place. And I'd be just standing there, thinking, "Hey, you want to kill me for some crack? Why not?" You know, I refused to move, man. I just kept offering my benevolence, and we became friends. You know, I just get to know the guys. You know, and um, it's like if you're not scared of anything, it's not scared of you, and you're not scared of it, and you can become friends with Hitler. <laughs> Hi, tea with Hitler. You know, I say in my articles. You know, can you have tea with Hitler? Don't mention the war, don't mention the Jews, don't mention Blitzkrieg. don't mention nothing. Just talk about painting, art, his dog, his old lady, how's Eva? You know, hey, just sit there and be neutral. Because you don't have to fall in love with the whole of the world. You just have to be neutral. At best be neutral. Can he be neutral? Hitler sitting there, can he be neutral? You know? Sure, why not? You know, let's talk about esoteric literature. He was into that. He was into Tibet. Let's talk about Tibet. Hey, Adolf, what do you think of today, man? You see, you just be neutral and you offer them your goodness. You offer them your generosity. It doesn't matter if you're a tight-ass and you're really stingy. Just offer them the little generosity that you got. section here I just want to talk to you about your purity you know because that's the second phase in this okay now I have no judgment about your life and I don't have any judgment of my own I mean I don't know that there's any part of the degradation of the human spirit that I have not been involved in you know I've been there done that kissed the fucking devil in the armpit and come back you know But you have to look at your crimes, you know. If you pretend you're white and bright and squeaky clean, you're in great amount of danger. Because there sort of aren't very many people around that are actually like that. And how you tell is this. If you close your eyes, and if after 10 seconds you don't start to see celestial light from another dimension, like the light of God, then you still have your darkness around you. Because essentially, when you close your eyes, what you're seeing is the ghouls that surround you, that are aligned to the darkness that's inside you. Now, this is not a waggy finger thing, you know, repent your sins or something like that. It's just a way of saying that the process through your shadow is enormously complex and long. And you may think you're spiritual and you may do the crystal meditation and you've got a diaper on your head and you get up at four o'clock in the morning and eat some buns from the Kashmir or whatever you do, you know? And you snort the green slime from New Zealand or whatever. But, hey, it's a long process and so you have to begin to look at your crimes. Your crimes against humanity are usually crimes of disdain where your arrogance and your importance caused you to treat people badly, when you didn't treat them in a loving and kind way. Your crimes against Gaia is killing her animals, polluting the earth, having no care for the sanctity of Gaia. Your crimes against the feminine spirit are the degradation and the sexual shadow. The sexual shadow of men that are predators on women that haven't treated them correctly. And the sexual shadow of women that use men for protection or as providers where they've sold their femininity short. Okay? And it applies to gay males with gay males or gay girls with gay girls. But essentially our sexual shadow is the degradation of our sexuality. Where we haven't honoured the person that we're with, and we haven't respected their femininity or their masculinity, and we don't have to get into gay, straight, da 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 da, whichever which way you go, and you still have to have the same respect. To follow me, the sexual shadow in some cases is huge. You know, it's massive. You know, let's say the hatred you have for men, and you silently, hey, half the population of the world. Well, hey, you cannot transcend hate in half the world. You cannot transcend if you want to abuse women or you want to degrade them. You know, you have to respect everybody and love them and care for them. And still have relationships. Of course you can. Sexual relationships, romantic relationships, business relationships, whatever, social relationships. But you have to have respect. You have to offer respect to humanity. Because you have to learn to respect yourself. So sometimes the degradation that you've had is a violence towards humanity. It may be a real violence where you want to punch people out and hurt them, or more often than not, it's an emotional violence. So you've spoken to them in harsh words, you've been emotionally difficult with them, you've treated them in an unfair way, you've put your anger and you've expressed it upon them and blamed them for things that they were completely innocent of, or mostly innocent. So, these are these places where you messed with your purity, where you went inside a dark shadow. Women have this ability to fire these black fractals, you know, that come out of their jealousy and their hatred. So, let's say you weren't selected or whatever, or you were rejected by somebody, then you can fire that hatred at them, you can fire that jealousy that anger that repressed anger at them and it closes them down they can't see visions while the fractals around them and men have the same they have the same repressed anger because they feel they haven't been elevated or they haven't got enough money or they haven't got enough success with the opposite sex or the same sex if they're gay you know the antagonisms of being male are very easy to understand so you have to go past these antagonisms you have to go past your repression You have to go past your disdain. You cannot look at other people and put them down in your mind and pretend you're normal. That is not normal. You are supposed to love them and care for them, no matter how bad they are, how good they are, whether you like them, don't like them. It's got nothing to do with anything. You have to be godlike and accept everybody. If you can't absolutely adore them, Okay, then you need to open your heart. But if you can't adore them, then the least of them are neutrality a benevolence. So disdain, discrimination, where you've favored one person over another or you've cheated a person and you've discriminated against them in that way or you have a disdain against a racial group, a a body type, religious, whatever. Do you follow me? You're not allowed to have a disdain for humanity in any form whatsoever. And you're not allowed to degrade yourself. So, for example, if you're one of those sort of pornographers and you sit there in front of your computer and you're wanking all day, you're not allowed to trot off to work in the morning and pretend you're normal. Hi, I've been wanking. I've, had, I've come four times during breakfast. Howdy. My name's Can I, you know, You cannot pretend you're normal. It is not normal to look at these images and masturbate all over this plastic box. You know, no es normal. You're supposed to treat these people with goodness. And the fact that there's lots and lots of ladies there with their legs apart is nothing to do with anything. You know, you have got to become normal. You're not allowed to abuse your husbands and your boyfriends and manipulate them and put your anger upon them and play games with them and play takeaway and all of that, you're not allowed to sell yourself to protectors and providers. It's fine if you fall in love with a person and then you give yourself to them and that's a loving act and there's a union and a joining together. But you can't covertly sell your femininity down the river. You know, just because the guy's rich or he's going to protect you or because you want to win acceptance and so forth. You're not allowed to play those games. You're not allowed to take spiritual powers and abuse them, you know, to manipulate people with them or become like a quasi-witch or an actual witch and you sort of cast these evil spells upon people because even if you don't prance around naked in a hexagram, pentagram at midnight with a dead chicken in your arms, people are... People are black magicians without realizing they're black magicians because any time you send a negative sentiment out to somebody, be it accompanied by some kind of sex act, or be it accompanied by a volition or a prayer or an incantation or I dunno what, you put pins and voodoo dolls you know of your of your mother lord lord that's all black magic you know there's more black magic out there than you could ever understand and we specialize in it in the sense that we fight against it and we clear it and we get people that are possessed and we unpossess them But the 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 energy of this desire for our humanity to move forward, to get money, to acquire fame. Remember, you don't need fame. Agree to be nobody. Then fame may descend upon you. You know, it may descend upon you. You don't need anything. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to tell any lies. Like imagine how many lies you've told you know, darling, I love you and you don't mean it. I mean, how many lies have you told at the boss? How many times have you pretended to be sick? How many times have you lied about paying a debt When you should have just paid it, but you told them a cock and bull story just to avoid paying it. How many times have you agreed to meet somebody at 8 o'clock and you didn't arrive at 8 o'clock? You arrived at 20 past. That's disdain. The first lecture tape that I send out on the Redeemers Club package, and I know there's 85 of you here that have taken the package and are studying it. One of the first tapes I send out is the need for punctuality. Because the inability to be punctual is part of your shadow. Because essentially what you're saying is, fuck you and your little dog too. I'll rock up when and if I like it. But hey, if you have a contract with me to arrive at eight, you've got to arrive at eight. Or else you're treating me with disdain. Or you've got to phone me. There's a soldier I know, like he works for me sometimes. He's very disciplined, right? He comes from northern India. Like an Alunas soldier, not a military soldier. And uh, he agreed to come and see me the other day at eight o'clock. And there was traffic in the west end of London. And he called me about sort of 10 to eight, you know? And he said, oh, hello, sir, you know. He said, I said, I really apologize. He says, I'm gonna be there two minutes past eight. I said, fine, thank you. You know, that's a real soldier that rings up and says he's gonna be two minutes late, you know, because he has a contract with me to be there at eight o'clock. So eight o'clock's eight o'clock. It's not one minute past eight. You see, but if you don't give a rat's ass about humanity, you're gonna rock up whenever you want. You're gonna do the job whenever you wanna do it. They may have paid you and you haven't delivered. Hey, why haven't you delivered? Why? Because you don't give a rat's ass about them. You just want their money. But hey, if you've agreed to deliver the job, you have got to deliver the job on the day you say you're going to deliver the job. Or you've got to have a damn good reason why you're not going to deliver. Do you follow me? Why you're not going to deliver in full everything that they've paid for and more if possible so you look at this disdain you look at your arrogance you know a lot of times we get carried away on spiritual arrogances you know the religions are extremely arrogant all the time there's all these pomposities about you know oh, wow jesus is going to come down and lift us up off the ground and stuff you know like the jehovah's witnesses believe they're going to take air you know they're actually going to levitate in the air you know that one right and they believe that jesus is going to take them off the ground And, uh, well, I mean, you know that when they get up about a hundred miles up, they're going to be in orbit, you know? The whole fucking lot of them, there's 14 or 15 million Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, so every sort of 45 minutes to 50 minutes, this dark cloud is going to come over the earth. (laughs) And people say, what the fuck's that, man? You say, don't worry about it, it's just the Jehovah's Witnesses going past, you know? (laughs) It's like, I mean, how stupid can you get? But it's that business of like, well, we will be saved. And all these rotten, horrible people out there will not be saved. Hey, if it's an issue between you being saved and them not being saved, then why don't you agree to go down? You know, why don't you agree to not be saved if one of them can be saved? You say, hey, why do not you take my place? Do you see? So that's the shadow thing of this elitism, spiritual elitism. I mean, in the New Age, it's like rife. It's, it's like, I mean, the New Age is like dis-fucking-gusting because they're also fucking pompous, you know? I mean, they're so pompous. And it's like, hey, spirituality isn't pompous. God isn't pompous, you know? Um, none of it's pompous. It's all very equitable. Hum- humility is vital. You have to be humil- humble. You have to step aside. Let them go in the elevator first. Stand at the back if they want to push ahead of you, you know, it's safe ways Let them go past you. Please take my parking space. You want to put your wheelie bin here? Please put your wheelie bin here. You want to stand in front of me? Please stand in front of me. You want to go first in the elevator? Please go first in the elevator. You have to subjugate your ego to allow the humanity to go ahead It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong or you're entitled to the wheelie bin All of that's irrelevant man. you what you're trying to do is transcend you see so you have to look at your pomposity you've got to look at your arrogance you've got to look at your intellectual arrogance you know some people that are very bright they, they feel they're very superior because they're bright you know and these people are also stupid and i'm so clever because i've got all these silly ideas in my head well you don't need it you know you don't need it you know every single person you ever meet even the stupidest person you ever meet are going to teach you something They're going to teach you something. Sometimes what they teach you is who to avoid. (laughs) But at least you learn something, you know? Like, they're going to teach you, man. You've got to listen to what they have to say, you know? Humility is the ability to look a person in the eye and listen. It doesn't matter if they bore you stupid. You listen. You listen, and as you're listening, you're blowing love into their heart. You're there for them. You're there for them. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to advise them. You don't necessarily have to help them. But you're listening, you're with them, you've joined. I have a friend of mine, he's very, very famous and he's very, very rich. And uh, he was on an ayahuasca journey and the ayahuasca being said to him, um, he's in his mid-thirties, they said to him, you know, you've never met any humans yet in this lifetime. And he came to me and he said, see, what do they mean by that, that I've never met any humans? Because obviously, you know, he's got fans, and he's got agents, and bookers, and promoters, and producers, and this, I mean, all the stuff that those kind of guys have. And I was saying, yeah, man, but you know, you've got all this stuff, but you've never gone out, and you've never reached humans. You've never touched their soul. You've never met a real person, because you're fucking obsessed with yourself. And he got it, you know, like it's true, he's never met anybody because he could never get off this whole razzmatazz of being this big star and actually come down and like put his hands in somebody's wounds do you follow me or to be there with a person that he has no interest in and be there one-on-one and listen to their pain or listen to their story. He's never done that, you know? So I made him go do it, you know? But he's changed a lot since I made him to go do it because now he has met people finally because he can put his whole stardom and all his razzmatazz to one side and see how utterly useless it is and go and join real humans. And he's happier now than he's ever been all of his life because when he was up in his ivory tower, he was just really lonely. And if you're living in a place where you're really lonely, and you don't have friends, and you don't dance, and you don't walk in the rain, and you don't do crazy things, it's because your mind has you by the balls. If you haven't got any balls, we'll rent you some. But it's like, it's got you. It's taken you in this place of isolation where there aren't any humans. So you might be like my friend, you know, your whole life might be going great, but there's no humans there. And the humans that are there, you have a disdain for them, or a hatred for them, or you don't like them because they're Asian, or African, or English, or French, or too tall, too fat, too wide, too thin, they're wrong sex, la, la, la. You know, hey, you've got to go out there and you've got to join humanity. The only way you can transcend this life is to join. You have to go through. You can't avoid the problems, and you can't avoid the people. And okay, the people are very imperfect and they're very dysfunctional and they're going to treat you badly and they're probably going to abuse you and rip you off. But you still have to join and you have to adore them in spite of it. So when they come to Estonia, let them stone you. And you have to adore the fact. You know, life in Estonia. Let them stone you. You know, let them do what they got to do because they're weak. But you have to adore them and you have to join. You have to genuinely Join. Join. And then you can see what it is I'm talking about. And then these doors of perception, I promise you, will open. I have, in all humanity, I could say, trained some of the greatest visionaries on earth. And I've trained thousands of people to see. And the process is always the same. You have got to let go of the coldness and the cruelty inside of you. And you have got to allow yourself to be vulnerable very vulnerable if the snake wants to eat you let it if the gunman in the 7 wants to shoot you you tell him listen up brother shoot me first and then shoot the other people or nobody but shoot me first please if it's a matter of who's going to get saved step aside and let the next guy be saved you don't need to be saved because when you give up on being saved you're saved anyway do you follow me and I had to go through this process of dying, you know, on ayahuasca. Sometimes ayahuasca takes you to your death, you know? And so the, first, the second journey I ever did, this sort of spirit of death came up from behind me. It, uh, death comes from over your right shoulder. I was really scared of dying, you know, and I had to go through this death. And then eventually I went through nine different deaths, like a cat, you know? And I got so used to this dying process that when the beings come to over to me and say, Stewie, are you willing to die? I say, sure, I'm more than willing to die, thank you. Just let's get on with it, you know, because i need to get to the pub. As soon as I finish dying, I want to go have a drink. <laughs> and, and hang out with my friends who I really love, you know. So you let go. And then one day, this very, very elevated being came up about as high up the pantheon of celestial beings. And this being proposed a job that he wanted me to go do um, a sort of transformational job um, in a certain geographic area upon the earth plane. I said, fine. And he said, you know, Stu, if you go do this job, you're never coming back. You're like, you're bound to get killed doing it. I said, fine. And he told me that one of my friends would come with me on this job and that he would get killed as well. So I said, fine, let's go. I'll do it and then the periodically the beans would come back and say do you remember this job you promised to do I said yes they said you know you're gonna get killed doing it I said yes they said are you still willing to go I said yes I'm completely willing to go no problem just tell me when I prefer it's not like today because I'd like to see my son and that sort of stuff um, but other than that yeah and eventually after I went through this sort of process with these beings it over well I like go over like a one-year period they eventually came in and said, I didn't have to do the job. I went, huh? I don't? They said, no, because you completely agreed to die, you don't have to. I thought, wow, that's so cool. I said, okay, so I won't go. But I said, listen, if you ever change your mind, I'm here. i be more than happy to go. You see, so once you give it away, once you give it all away, you're free. And you know, I told you, when you give it away, it comes back to you. And a gentleman who I'm sure wants to be anonymous, in the break came and he gave me this check as a present. It's $30,000. It's one of you sitting here. And he said, "Stu, I've been meaning to give you this for a while but I couldn't find you to give it to you. So I thanked him because I'm opening up some temples that are going to be based on these Etruscan principles. And so I'll use it for that at the time when the temples come together. But it is so much an affirmation of like what's possible, you know. Now I'm not standing up here thinking who's going to give me something. I and mean, I swear I'm not, you know. But it's that thing of like you give it all away and you'll get it back, you know. And I swear to God, you can come look at the check. I'm not kidding you. It says, pay Stewie Wilde of the Dog and Duck. 30,000 American dollars, <laughs> that's what it says. And I thank you, sir, for that gift. I can't see you in the audience right now, and I'm sure you prefer to remain anonymous. But it's just a way of saying that you don't know what's coming for you. You don't know the levels that you can reach, you know. We have people that have this blue and white light that comes from their hand, and they can put their hand right inside a body and pull out, pull out the most unbelievable diseases that will kill people. We have these great visionaries. We have people with these extraordinary abilities. And some of them are sitting here in this room. But they're not going to tell you, oh, look at me. I've got these extraordinary abilities. But where you can reach on this journey, you haven't even scraped the surface, you know? Like. But you have to be selfless, you have to give yourself away. You're not allowed to go in it for power or for glory or for money. You just have to go in it because you have a love for humanity. Then the money and all of that stuff will come to you, you know? And whatever abilities you want, they'll come, they'll come, they'll be gifted to you. But you can't accept the gifts if they're given to you like because of power trips. You know, like on the ayahuasca we say that like if somebody comes along and I was the first person in the world to figure this one out, as far as I know, anyway. That if somebody comes along and offers you the Holy Grail, this cup, you know, this chalice, this gleaming God-force chalice, you have to bow and decline. Say, no, I'm sorry, thank you. And if they offer you a sword, you decline. And if they offer you a great power, you decline. And if they offer you some kind of parchment or jewelry or whatever they offer you, to just decline everything that you're offered, always. And that way you're really humble. And then what happens on the ayahuasca world or what happens inside these lunar mirror worlds, sometimes you'll find that suddenly you have a sword on your back and you never accepted the sword. You don't even know how it got there. And that's very, very indicative of this process. It'll all be granted to you when and if you're ready. And you don't have to make a decision to decide to accept or not accept. Always turn everything down. Everything. Because it's just a trick from the ghouls to trap you and to see how much you're into ego trips and how much you're into power and how much you desperately want a scalibur or how much desperately do you want these magical healing hands or how much desperately do you want people to see you as being a wise woman or a wise person or a great healer or, or a great teacher and all that, give up on all of that. And you can have it. You can have every, anything you're willing to give away, you can have, do you see? If you're willing to give away your life, you're allowed to keep it. You know, you're allowed to keep it. You know, If you're willing to give away your most treasured possession, you get to keep the treasured possession because you genuinely were willing to give it away. You know, you weren't holding on in any place at all. So that's my process here. Going through this pain, yes. Going through your dysfunctions, yes. Looking at the sexual shadow, looking at the disdain, Looking at the hatred. Now, how many of you will admit to your hatred? It's quite hard to do, isn't it? To admit that you're certain people on this Earth that you hate. And there are many people in past 5 and 10 and 20 years ago that you hated. You had a hatred for them. And you're wandering around pretending to be normal it's back to the pornographers that are sort of wanking themselves you know, four times before they go to work you can't leave the screen covered in sperm and wander out and say hi I work for the post office how would you do you know it's not going to work you know you've got to look at your life and think wait a minute no es normal why are you doing this brother you know so you look at this stuff and it's painful it's really painful and I can have a compassion for your pain because I've been through it myself you know I was never particularly into pornography but I've been into other stuff you know So you just look at all of that and you look at it from a higher level because you're vast, you're vast. You go in both directions, left and right, into many simultaneous incarnations. You know, you're living in many different dimensions. In a higher dimension, you're this golden being. You know, we're just down here working out our stuff, you know, working through... You know, working through, the working through not knowing, working through difficulties, working through discrimination, working through disdain. We're working out our karma. And karma is very precise. It's exact. It's absolutely exact. There's no splish splash about karma. It's really precise, you know. So you go through this disdain. You go through the shadow. You look at this sexual stuff. You look at these stupid games you've been playing. You look at your dishonesty. You know, to get through this journey, you have to become scrupulously honest. Scrupulously honest. So if you have a debt, you have to pay the debt to your friend. If you, have, if you owe something, you've got to pay it. If you can't pay it, you've got to fix it up in some which way. You have to be honest with people about your feelings. Because in the end, the only thing that exists is feelings. This world is not solid. I'm going to show this to you tomorrow. It's not solid. None of it is solid. Your life's not solid, your families aren't solid, the smelly kids aren't solid. None of it's solid. None of it's solid, it's all just a feeling. So now let's look at working on how to process the feeling, to make your feelings more beautiful, more pristine, less judgmental, less demanding, less egocentrically obsessed with yourself, less confused. You know I say in my books, that I can cure confusion in three seconds flat. All the confusion you've ever had, I can cure it. If you're confused, never ask questions. Because to be confused, you have to generate a question first. Shall I, shant I, will I, won't I? Is it, isn't it? Don't ask. And then you cannot be confused. It's not possible to be confused if you don't first ask a question. So, if you find yourself really, really confused, it's because you're suffering of this disease of asking questions. You don't need to know. You don't need to know what's going to happen in the future. All you need to know is what's happening right now. So, the only question that you're ever really going to ask yourself is, how do I feel right now? Do I feel balanced? Do I feel serene? You see, you can be totally serene inside a sea of problems you can be a serene in a battlefield you can be serene like i've been in these demonic worlds that chris and and casper and some of the others that we fight in there and you can be so centered so centered you know no matter what is coming at you and everything that's coming at you is trying to kill you they're not there to you know like buy you a drink, they're trying to knock you out, you know, they're trying to wipe you out. But you can be just so centred and so serene inside the insanity of your life. You're just not going to take it personally, you know, there's no reason to take life personally. We're taught to as children, but it isn't the right way to go, It's you, you never take it personally, man, you know. So hey, if you go out of the house and the car's missing, the car's missing, they've come for the car, haven't they? Easy to understand, you know, there's no confusion in that, the car's gone, you know. Sealing so up the insurance company, they send you a check, or they don't, or whatever. You take the boss; it's irrelevant. None of it's relevant. The only thing that's relevant is that your feelings are pure. Every second of every moment that you can resonate this logo box that Krebsy will talk about tomorrow, and every moment of every second where you can stay inside a serenity, inside a purity it will change your evolution instantly. I don't know how many of you went out there in the break and started projecting love to people. But when you do, you feel the difference, don't you? Instantly. It's so instant. You just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Keep silently offering them your divinity, your benevolence. Just keep doing it. And you'll be amazed. People will start to respond. It may take a while for you to turn the boat around and go head it the other way. But you can see how if you've offered antagonism to the world, it's not surprising if they've tried to like... You know, do you in? If you've offered hatred, anger, racism, sexism, diddly diddlyism, it's not surprising, you know? But if you have none of that, what can touch you? Nothing. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you because you're equitable. So we're looking at a purity in your feelings. And if you know you're a bit tight and you're a bit uptight and you're a bit stingy and you're a bit angry, then you just work on it. You can't fix it all necessarily tonight, today. But you observe it. You know, you lay down tonight in your bed and you begin to pray and say, show me, show me, show me. And you'll be amazed what it shows you. You'll be shocked what it shows you. Because it's going to show you some kid at school you know, when you are nine years old and you're going to see a vision of you stealing their pencil box. And you think, geez, I've forgotten about that. And then they're going to show you how the kid that you stole the pencil box from was so upset because he or she didn't have money to get another pencil box. And you're going to see the trauma you created, and that's part of your karma, part of your darkness. The trauma that you've inflicted upon other people. The evil that you've projected on people silently with your mind as they walk past you in the hallway the disdain that you offer them, the racism that you offer them, the anger that you offer them, the games you played. You know, every woman that you walked past, you took her clothes off and bonked her between here and the fucking deli counter where she was getting a sandwich, you know? Hello? No, it's normal. You're not supposed to be taking their clothes off while they're getting a fucking pastrami sandwich, you know what I mean? Leave the lady alone, you know? So it's like, this is our process it's painful but it's also beautiful because it allows you to reach another place and that's what we're looking to do we're not looking to stay the same you know by mid-afternoon sunday afternoon i want you all you guys different you know come come trust me come because it's a beautiful world that we're going to it's insanely beautiful with the animals and the angelic beings and the golden light and the instant healing. You see, your diseases are just a manifestation of your evil. That's all they are. You don't catch diseases by accident. You catch diseases because of your karma, and diseases that develop in your body, like you know, like sort of arthritis and stuff. They come out of restriction, they come out of disdain, they come out of all these sentiments. Once you have a good feeling inside of you and you have the equanimity of a celestial being inside of you that's trying, then the diseases start to fall away very quickly and the dark influences that are creating the pain inside your body can be removed, you know. So that's our process. Who else would like to ask a question? We'll get the second mic too Over here.
2: What's the most effective way to process your shadow without doing the ayahuasca?
1: Um, you, you can go into it every day. Uh, you know, like I, I, I recommend the forgiveness prayer. And how the forgiveness prayer is, you get on your knees and you go down on the mat on your nose and you beg forgiveness of the spirits of Gaia, of Jesus, of Buddha, or anyone that's listening, Right for your crimes. But as you go through the prayer every single day, in in all humility, bit by bit, they will show you stuff you forgot. So that's one surefire way of getting in touch with stuff that you haven't uh, uh, looked at. And the other thing is this, you have to change ever so slightly what you consider normal. I was talking about the guy that sort of like wanks himself off three times before he goes to work. Hi, I work for the post office. how'd you do? Um, It's not normal. Being cruel to people is not normal. You know, ripping them off is not normal. Gossiping about them, inventing stories that may or may not be true is not normal. Do you follow me? Being spiteful is not normal, you know? So it's sort of kind of easy to see, like when you're really cold and grim, that's the shadow. You know, being pompous is not normal. Being spiritually elitist is not normal, you know? It's, uh, it's not normal at all, and that's why the churches are sort of so demonic, because they play to people's elitism. If you want to start a church, come up with a dogma that's absolutely ludicrous, okay? Like this sort of chopstick-up-your-nose church, right? <laughs> Tell them they're going to be elevated, and Jesus is coming, and it's a sure game. You know, it's 10% on a Sunday. It's not bad money if you're not doing anything else provided you can get out of bed and sober up for Monday, Sunday morning, you're laughing. People say, oh, where do you belong? You say, I belong to the Chopstick Up Your Nose Church. And um, it's, all, it's all to do with elitism, the idea that these people are going to be saved and those people are not going to be saved. We discussed that yesterday, you know. Everybody's forgiven, everybody's saved. End of fucking story. That's it, you know, and some of you might wind up in hell, but we'll get you later, you know. I didn't say where we'd save you, I just said you're saved. So, it's, it's just, It's easy, really, and then it's not easy, because your mind and your soul and your being is very, very clever at hiding. Extremely clever at hiding. Sort of the predatory instincts, and you can come up with any one of a thousand different excuses to explain um, strange behavior. But strange essentially cruelty and a lack of warmth. The two things. You know, I suggest vegetarianism. It's not compulsory. But you have got to become a vegetarian, right? Because otherwise, how do you process the cruelty every time you have breakfast? Do you follow me? There's no way of doing it, you know. So I don't know if there's any other way other than becoming vegetarian. But I'm not saying you have to be vegetarian. But people are very cruel to each other. I mean, they're horrid. They're horridly cold and cruel. And, um, And every one of us here has had that crime inside our soul. The crime of being cruel to people or cruel to animals or cruel to our loved ones. You know, we usually hurt the people that are closest to us, don't we, you know? And that's the story here. Who else had a hand up?
0: Just a quick question. Um, When you talk
1: about... You can ask a slow question if you want.
0: Ah, I will. no rush. Okay. Um, When you talk about vegetarianism, do you suggest also letting go of consuming eggs and dairy products?
1: Yes, some vegetarians do, you know. Some vegetarians do. I eat eggs, but some don't. You know, so I leave it up to them. But I I think that stuff like eggs are okay because you don't kill the chicken to get the egg. That's my old teacher used to say. So he was fine with eggs.
2: I had a question about um, vectors. You had said that some information is coming through on the vectors in on the Earth right now, and I was wondering. Vectors vectors, the locations, precise locations. You alluded to that a few times, and I was wondering if you could elaborate on that. I
1: can can draw them for you, but all the information that comes to us comes in on a curved trajectory, and um, they come from various uh, celestial dimensions. Um, It's probably hard to see at the back. If you can't see at the back, I'll just describe what I'm doing. Stewie is drawing a line <laughs> with a blob on the top of it. Okay, this is a poison. And that's north, and that's west, and that's east. And we're looking at the back of their head. Okay, a lot of the celestial stuff comes from high up at 45. And that's one of the vectors that we watch all the time. Low down 45 at about 17 and a half degrees off the horizon are all the demonic fractals. That's where all the demonic stuff comes in, or lots of it. Then left and right, the celestial light comes in from the right. Behind you, back here, is what I call 240 down. And 240 down is a world of ghouls and demonic entities. So all the dimensions behind are, generally speaking, um, demonic dimensions. So up here is the celestial dimension, but low down on the right, let's say north, north, northeast, halfway between north and east. Low is all where all the demonic stuff comes from. But the demonic can come from straight ahead, and it can come from low to your left. So it can come from 17 left here. Up high left is where the spirits of the dead are. So humans that have died, you'll see them up there. And then back here is the UFOs, the ghouls, and any manner of hells and so forth. So we watch these trajectories come in and Krepsik at 11.30 is going to talk about these trajectories and the logo box, you know? And he really is the recognized expert on that department, Um, watching these boxes and watching how the tubes work. But um, essentially, there are many, many more, there are many more, I mean, if you go on his site, there's a drawing that's really complicated that shows you all the vectors, including some that are back here that I don't actually know what they are because I've not actually ever seen them. But uh, he'll be be here a bit later on once he gets up from doing whatever he's doing. We'll ask him about it. But essentially, the biggest vector is the vector of the return of Gaia, you know? And the morph, because the morph's coming through this earth plane. Did some of you see those people here in the front last night dematerializing? Yeah, can I show you, see your hands? Yeah, so some of you saw that. So that's the morph showing you the people disappearing, you know? I mean, they're just not there, right? So the morph is this light source that's coming through from another world, okay, another dimension. And when I say another world, I don't mean Pluto or out in the stars. You know, these other worlds are very close. The Aluna is halfway between your elbow and your wrist when your arm's out. That's where the spirit world starts, right there. So the morph crosses our light and creates striations, interference patterns, Okay, and the little exercise I tell people to do is I say, put your fingers together and hold them up towards the light. And you'll see these little black lines between your fingers, you know. If your fingers are too wide apart, you won't see them. And if your wing fingers are slammed shut, you won't see them. But if you just have nervousness slightly cracked, you'll see some black parallel lines. Do you guys see that? Yes, we see it, Stewie. We knew they were there. We knew it. The teddies told us. So those are interference patterns of photons of light that are trying to slip between your fingers. So that, was the, those, that slit was what Alan Aspect used to discover the non-local nature of quantum, the quantum reality. So the morph is essentially like a variation of those little black lines. It's the striations that come into the room that dematerialize the room completely, you know? There is that vector of the Morph arriving to change the evolution of our humanity. And the Morph has given us like one million visions, maybe more. And we've written them down and documented them, and I talked to Krepsich and he talks to Mr. Casper, and we all email and share notes and we see each other, and we dis- discuss what we're seeing. Schaefer, Mr. Schaefer, Richard Tyler, other visionaries, you know, some of which are here in the room. So we watch these worlds, And we watch how Kaya has brought this morph back for us. (laughs) Essentially, it's for her to save herself. She's not that interested in saving humans. She's more interested in looking after herself and the animals, you know? But within that sort of let's save the planet thing that the morph is doing, is this massive leap in our understanding. Because we understand more now, like in the last five years, than like you know tens of thousands of years of or cults, spiritual writings, dogma, religions, those guys they honestly didn't know, you know, not to decry what they're trying to do, but they just don't know nothing, you know. So, because they can't explain it all, they cannot explain their, their, their digital fractal reality. And um, so yeah, we, we suggest ayahuasca because it takes you to your shadow, it takes you to your celestial self, and it's a fast track to, to you know to being able to see But you can also develop the ability to see, and many, many, many people have, you know. Through serenity, you have to meditate. You have got to learn to meditate. You know, 24 minutes a day, get the heartbeat uh, metronome, and learn to meditate. And um, then through that meditation, you just arrive at this serenity. Eventually, you'll find that you live in these other worlds more than you live in this world, you know this world starts to look very strange to you. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I don't think I want to go out for about a year and a day. Because you're just going to want to hang out in nature, forest, animals, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the vectors are very important to us because they essentially are, what are going to, what's going to save this world. is these vectors that are bringing in and carrying in information into us and that are changing the evolution of our planet, you know. Did I tell you the story of the solar logos? No? I have? Yeah. Carry on. Next question, please. Good morning. Who said that? Over here. Thank you.
3: Um, I, I was curious about the um, the heat and, and the cold, like Om yeah. Ka energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for months now, I go from being extremely hot yeah. to being extremely cold like shivering yeah. and it's within seconds and it yeah. goes on so i'm just wondering if that's an internal struggle or if that's the energies that are. it's
1: not so much an internal struggle it's more like an internal journey so when you go very very hot you're essentially touching the celestial light of god you know and when you go very very cold you're walking past the gates of hell so you're going through both, you know. Like there's times when I'm chirogenically cold. Absolutely chirogenically cold. There's no hot water bottle, or heater, or blankets, or even like on a sunny day, it could be absolutely chirogenically freezing cold. And in those times, it is actually very painful to be that cold, because you feel like you're going into some kind of hypothermia, hypothermic state. But um, it does pass, like everything. You've just got to hold steady, and it will pass. So yeah, so when it's very cold you're in hell and when it's nice and warm you're up there with the angels. Next.
4: Stuart, regarding the healing last night, um, my question is is that there's so much activity going on in this dimension. Are they are they working
1: with them in, in another dimension, in another
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely they're watching another world all the time. Right. So they're watching the presence of the demonic inside the person that they're working with.
4: Because I'm not seeing that other world when I was
1: watching it No, last but night. it takes a specialist to do it, you know? Like, I see it a bit, but it's not really my expertise. You know, my expertise is the car. You know, that's my expertise. So I don't do much of what they do. I, I do exorcisms, but I'm not allowed to do them anymore. Like, the sort of beings that run the show won't let me do exorcisms, you know? But um, I, I do those, but, like, I would do one if it was really, like like an emergency, you know, or something, you know, like somebody was really in trouble. But essentially, I'd leave it to them, you know. But all disease and all dysfunction and all fear is just the presence of the ghouls in your life. know, I don't know that there necessarily are any diseases. I mean, sure, there are viruses and bacteria that you can, you know, analyze in a petri dish and so forth. But the fact that this little bug makes you sick comes from another world. You know, like for example, I've been in the ghoul worlds. I've fought um, the ghouls of meningitis. And they look like sort of caterpillars, but they're very violent, you know? So there are entities in the inner worlds that just run meningitis. Now whether they also run colon cancer and diphtheria and whatever else, I don't know. But I do know that meningitis is a a ghoul-driven disease. So if there wasn't any ghouls, there wouldn't be any meningitis, you know? So I think what Krepzik and his mate do, Mr. Casper, is they just look for the demonic inside people, and then sometimes you have to shout at it and scream and punch them on the chest and that sort of stuff. Do you follow me? To frighten the ghouls into coming out because they don't leave just because you go Twilly willy and you tickle their willy, you know, Twilly Lily. They don't, you know. They've been living there a long time, you know, and you're doing your best to bump them out of their home and kill them, like seriously degrade them, you know, so yeah, I think you just let them do it the way they want to do it, bro, you know, if you want it all soft and gentle, I suppose, I mean, the way I do the almond car is very soft, you know, I do it almost entirely in silence but it's a bit different because that's delivering heat, so I'm like the Caligas man, you know, I'm coming along with these butane bottles, you know and say, yeah, light this, bro but let them do it how they want to do it, they're very effective at it, I promise you Who is going to speak?
3: I am, I have uh, three quick questions. I was actually thinking about going to Israel, and I read in one of your books that that's one of the places that you should not go among there were five or six that you mentioned. Are you Jewish? I am not.
1: Definitely don't go to Israel under any fucking circumstances if you're not Jewish.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I, I was kind of wondering how that works. And let me ask my other two questions very quickly. The second question is you talked about the 26 dimensions, and I was wondering how many dimensions you live in
1: well you know we're all spread out lots of dimensions all of the time every one of us because the more you let down and open your heart the more you go sideways so we're standing here in this three-dimensional plane but to our right and to our left are all these other worlds and you're linked into the animal worlds where it's half man half animal angelic worlds demonic worlds you know golden, radiant worlds um, we're we're linked into like loads and loads of, like the wider you go, the more incarnations you're having. Do you see? Like all those incarnations are all going on simultaneously. And uh, as you get humble and you come down off your ivory tower and you become what I call equitable, you start to go wider and wider and wider. Have any of you in meditation felt yourself floating off to the right or to the left? Yeah, you see a few hands go up there. Well, that's the process of going sideways. So we are simultaneously in these other worlds. Okay? Um, So how many worlds do I live in? I haven't got a clue, you know. But lots, you know, obviously lots. Lots. And there's other times where I'm in worlds that are are so um, technically complicated and beyond me. I have no sense of where I am. I don't know where I am, you know. I couldn't tell you whether I was in 27D or, you know, you know, some little village, and I've got no idea. In, fact, in some of those worlds, there's no up or no down. And there's no left and there's no right. And so you can't even tell whether you're standing up or, up, or whether you're upside down or standing upright, you know? Yeah, they're moving so fast, there's no horizon, so you can't tell. So essentially, it's, my system is so chronically simple. I have to make it technical and complicated so you guys don't feel ripped off, but we could do it in two minutes and all we'll go to the pub. <laughs> Because um, it's essentially, it all comes from your benevolence. It comes from your humility. And once you're humble and you're quiet and you do learn to meditate, then once you get into this serenity, you'll start to go sideways. And as soon as you start go sideways, you'll see these other worlds. You'll see these multi-dimensional heavens, you know. Um, we do believe that the magical forest where the animals live is a 17-dimensional world. But to comprehend four dimensions is hard, never mind 17. So, you know, we could not be possibly looking at the way the actual 17-dimensional world is. We're just looking at our representation of that world, you know. And then think about the God force that's inside of you. Goodness knows how many dimensions that God force is spread out in. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. So your flicker of God, that bit which is you... You know, it could be, I don't know, in, in 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 dimensions, because we don't actually know how many dimensions there are. Nobody does, you know.
3: And one last question. Um, for those of us who are still processing our shadow, yes. uh, does that mean that we're walking around with ghouls and other beings attached to us? Yes, a, yes, it, it yes. kind of creeps me out.
1: <laughs> well, let me creep you back in again. <laughs> the goals do not follow Pauli's exclusion principle. Solid particles, fermions, have to have a space each to exist in. So, if you, let's say, dribbled grains of salt on a table, you can see one grain's over here, and then next to it's another grain, and each little grain needs a space to exist, okay? because it is a solid particle. But the ghouls are essentially photons light, or at least they're in that part of the spectrum. So you could get 100 ghouls on the top of a pinhead, and there's a ghoul inside a ghoul inside a ghoul, like Chinese dolls. So the fact that you may have 20, 30, 40 ghouls wandering around in your belly is common. Like there's very few people in the world that don't. Do you follow me? Very, very few. So as you process your shadow as you go past sexual stuff as you go past rancor and disdain and hatred and spite and judgment and jealousies and all the stuff that we talk about ad infernitum the ghouls die
3: Okay and just uh, circling back to my question on Israel in my lifetime do you think there's an opportunity to visit Israel or just forget about No
1: no please if you want to go to Israel go but I suggest you don't because you'd be plunging into like the middle of the cool capital of the world, you know?
3: I see, okay. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So,
1: unless you're jolly strong, okay. uh, I mean, I have to go to Israel, I've been ordered to, but, you know, not yet. I
3: see, thank you.
1: And um, so, it's just jolly difficult, but then again, I wouldn't, you know, I'd say the same to you as if you decided you wanted to go to Mecca, do you follow me? Like, I wouldn't go there either, you know? So, there's certain places where you just don't want to take the risk, you know? And then, hey, if you want to go see the Holy Lands and you're prepared to take the risk, then go take the risk. Yes.
3: Do you make your own ayahuasca?
1: I do. Uh, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do.
3: Do you recommend that?
1: Um, no. <laughs> no, not really, no. Um, the thing is, this, it's not the making of the ayahuasca that's dangerous, it's the taking it. So I would not take ayahuasca unless you're with people that are experts, you know. Because we have seen ayahuasca go really horribly wrong on some people, you know. But if you're with practitioners that are qualified and somebody really starts bouncing off the wall, then they know how to bring them back, do you follow me? Yes. But if you're just doing it with your mates on a Saturday night, uh, it could get really hairy-scary, you know? And also, where you do it is very important, you know? Like, geographically, in a big city is not so good, you know? And then who you do it with. Because as soon as you take the ayahuasca, the factual codes come flying out of their private parts. I mean, you're looking at masses of them, you know? So if you're with people that are very unprocessed and all their fractals are flying out their private parts at you, you might find you got more than you can cope with, you know? Right. Yeah, so I don't really recommend people mix up their own brew unless they're experts, or at least they've been to South America and understood the process, you know? Okay. And then, hey, if you want to scare yourself, try it. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) <laughs> How many does it say on a box, you know? <laughs> yeah, do not eat more than one box of these mushrooms. Oh, let's eat two.
2: Hi, Stuart. Number Hello. one, I want to acknowledge you. I think it's wonderful that you're high vibration and you love beer.
1: I don't know about loving beer, but um, I, d- I did have a beer last night, uh, too. Yeah. Okay,
2: and then two things. I'm wondering, what's wrong with Baltimore? Like you said, not to go to Baltimore. And then the last question is... <laughs>
1: Don't go to Baltimore? Yeah, It's just got a lot of black magicians, or it did have when I was there, you know? So it has a lot of that voodoo history, you know?
3: Baltimore, Maryland?
1: Baltimore, Maryland, the very same one, yeah.
3: Okay, and then last- So
1: I've always found Baltimore's energy quite hard to deal with, you know? I think if you got a choice, I wouldn't choose Baltimore. But if you haven't got a choice, because that's where you live and work, well, you're gonna have to just manage, you know?
2: Okay. Okay, and then the last question, have you seen any information about mass vaccinations? And if so, what we can do about it?
1: I mean, this is the stuff that it says in the conspiracy sites and so on, you know, mass vaccinations against avian flu and so forth. Um, People believe that the vaccine is actually the disease. Have you read those stories? Where they think if you take the vaccine, you're going to get the sickness. And um, I'm sure they're right. (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't take the vaccine, but you know, it's totally up to you, whatever you're a medical professional. Never. So, I wouldn't take the vaccine myself personally. I'd rather die of the flu than take the vaccine, you know, much simpler. But avian uh, flu is coming. It's coming big time. It's going to come back huge, you know? But I'm not so sure that it isn't the governments and some kind of nefarious people that are pushing the flu. Do you not get that feeling?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that, like, they're mutating it someplace in laboratories and then sort of I'm spraying it in planes, you know, that are going to Africa or something, you know? You get very suspicious of them all. So, uh, you know, I think they're go- I- they want to sort of get rid of people because the pension system is suffering.
2: Well, what I heard is the chemtrails, everyone has breathed in the spores yeah. and then when they get the vaccine, it activates the spores that are
1: already yeah. in the body. Yeah, I've That's heard how
2: that. Uh, yeah.
1: I've heard that theory. I think it's fantastic. I'm sure it's absolutely correct. <laughs> I had this friend of mine who was a doctor in Oregon. And she was saying that when the chemtrails went over, the next day she'd have like 150 people in her surgery with bronchial chest stuff, you know, from breathing in that shit. Yeah, I'm sure those chemtrails are extremely deadly and extremely nasty. And uh, it's our karma, you know, it's just our karma. It's our karma to be nuked from above, you know. It's like being put in a gas chamber, isn't it? Same karma. Yeah, it's just our karma. You can wear those white masks that Japanese tourists wear in airports. But I find those embarrassing. I don't do they embarrass you. Like I find I find those so embarrassing. I just I think I'd rather die of the plague than wander around looking like a Japanese tourist. No no offense to Japan, please, but just like they look so fucking weird to me, you know. Like. Yeah, it like, you know, I don't know, I couldn't wear the white mask unless I was forced to. I can imagine people making, all the people on a plane get, you know, like make everybody wear the white mask, you know? We'd all be sitting there going... <laughs> yes, 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 a couple more, then we're going to take a break. Please, throw these mics around. Yes, at the back, sir, yes.
2: You've uh, written on and off about the Goddess Kali, and uh, I was wondering yes. if you can tell us more about The Shield? you wrote about, uh, she grants to some people, that you can feel protection, yes, yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, because it's the demonic that protects you you know, that's what keeps you safe your celestial self actually brings in the ghouls, and you think, well that sounds so contradictory, but in fact it's absolutely true, and you can think of the logic of it you know, like if you're a candle, the moths are coming towards the flame, you know, so if you're a bright light, the ghouls show up, if you're dark, the ghouls leave you alone because you're one of them so Essentially Carly's power is the car is the power of the demonic, you know? But Carly will go through a transformation, you know, she's gonna improve herself and do a few while seminars and come back clean and rather nicer, you know? So I know, I mean I actually have seen this in the inner world, I'm not joking. She's gonna go through a transformation and try to become a decent person. So um oh, dear dear Carly. Yeah. In those worlds, she's my mother. In those inner worlds, that's amazing. I, fucking hell. What kind of mother's that? <laughs> it's a child abuse. <laughs> a golly for mother. Yeah, she's my mother in those worlds. That's really strange.
0: And so concludes the first part of our two-part Memoriam to Stuart Wilde, The Fringe Dweller's Guide to Almost Everything. We'll be back next week with part two. In the meantime, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Thank you for tuning to Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Radio.
4: Push a button if you wanna know our names. Invented in the laps to keep the low life on the taps. Something tells me that there is another aim. Just beneath the skin, keep the massive discipline. So the mob won't stray too far out of line. With their choice, artificial in a voice, yet they tell us it is harmless and benign. Just beneath their skin, just beneath their skin,
2: just beneath, just.
4: Cleverly we're taking it Everybody wants their children free from harm Before very long Some will think it hardly wrong If a chip is chipped inside their children's arm And just beneath the skin Like a shattered heroin In the interest of the world's security They say we're on high alert Come on people, it will not hurt Be injected, give them your identity Just beneath their skin Just
2: beneath their skin Just beneath, just beneath
4: We may not win in the first place We can't see where being played If you got a doubt You should always seek it out Truth is hard to face But do not be afraid Truth is hard to face But do not be afraid just
2: beneath the skin just beneath the skin just beneath just beneath just beneath the skin just beneath the skin just beneath the skin just beneath, the skin. Just beneath, the skin. Just beneath...